Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Angler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Angler uh, here in New York City as we begin the uh, well, unofficial start of summer at the start of Memorial Day weekend. I'm, of course, joined by Richard Rushfield and Elaine Lowe in Los Angeles. And of course, as always, you can follow the Angler on the social platforms at the Angler and uh, subscribe to the Angler at theangler.com to get the full suite of newsletters and podcasts. And of course, sign up for the Anklers' uh, free Strike Guys newsletter, uh, which Elaine does a wonderful, fantastic, super fragile. What's that word, Elaine? That I'm forgetting right now. Super you know, calibrationalistic. Yes, that. That's yeah, the yeah, job yeah, I do. That's yeah. it. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> the words I use for her daily evening newsletter, uh, which you get with your uh, when you sign up for Strike Guys, you can do that at strikeguys.com, and that gives you uh, all the Elaine's work, plus all the news uh, and the pieces from Richard and the rest of the team at the Ankler strikeguys.com and totally free uh richard and elaine of course my two favorite creators in hollywood uh how are you uh doing today uh very feeling very creative thank you <laughs> no more you're not a writer anymore richard you're not a creator so congratulations yeah. you've, been up, you've been upgraded downgraded uh i'm, I'm gonna have some content uh coming up soon so. <laughs> your, your other Everybody's favorite word stand by for fresh content don't forget to smash that subscribe button <laughs> The uh, Max service getting off to an interesting start this week in Hollywood. They had no defense, Richard. I think was they were like, yep, this was dumb and uh, we're going to fix it was basically the reaction. Right, Richard? Yeah. I, I mean, the, you know, every, everybody loves a good narrative and uh, the, right. the, the creatives have and writers happen to be on strike at this moment. So, so uh, the, the narrative of the studio disrespects us is in the air, but um, it, it's hard to imagine other than, you know, a stupid mistake what motive anybody would have of cutting off the credits, like saving a few pixels of server space or the idea that they Warners was trying to convince the, the public that David Zasloff actually wrote and directed the, uh, these episodes <laughs> himself or something. It's so it's a, a dumb, a dumb mistake. It's uh, disrespectful, uh, to have allowed it happen perhaps, but, uh, these, the sinister motives, uh, behind it seem uh, hard to credit. Well, the writers I've spoken to who have taken the greatest offense believe that it was done to delegitimize and devalue the writers and directors' work. Obviously, we don't know the intent, but that's that's the takeaway, especially given the moment for this decision, which obviously coincided with the rollout of Max, uh, nay HBO Max, uh, now just Max. But yeah, I mean, I mean, with the, it's it's being rectified, but it was clearly enough to prompt a joint statement from both the WGA and DGA. So, uh, ruffled a lot of feathers this week. I mean, strike or or not, whatever it is that the the big challenge of the uh, streaming wars and and nobody or this is attracting the best people to the best ta- the most talented people to do shows for your streaming platform and. I don't think that any streamer would believe that saying we're not going to show we're not going to show the names of the people who make it uh, would be a good path to doing that. Well, the other inside baseball complaint, right, is that there are so many non-writing executive producers on a show. And I think it really uh, was was kind of triggering to see certain non-writing producers credited ahead of the actual writers and showrunners when there's a lot of grousing to be done from the writers I've spoken to about like, well, this non-writing EP like really didn't do shit. And uh, they're credited above me on this thing now as a creator. So that's part yeah, of it. I mean, I mean, film, it's all sort of mandated what order it goes, goes in. So uh, keeping them all in, in 
in a proper position probably probably make everyone's life easier. That's true. Like when you watch a movie in the theaters, like there's so much haggling, right? Like I've always wanted to oh read God. a story yeah. on like what is the process when all of these agents are negotiating of where their client winds up in this list of credits. So oh, totally oh, trust 180. Me, this, I'll give a little more insight based on this. So, you know, my, well, my career was at HBO and in, in marketing and promotion, and there are contracts when a movie is promoted in perpetuity, yeah. you have to put someone's name ahead of someone's name. This person has to be and in front of their name in the credit. And like, this is two AT negotiated, which is all the more baffling as to how this all happened this week with Max for like, uh, <laughs> how did this even pass legal? I don't even know like, which is at HBO, which is a very not litigious, but it's a very big legal department. Uh, it's really the whole thing baffles me when you factor that in a because it is such a meticulously fought for and delineated thing that I that, that just, that was the other aspect that just, I, know, I tried, try being a reporter at the trade. I don't know if this ever happened to you, uh, Wayne, but uh, being a reporter in trades and getting and reversing the order of two of those uh, executive producers in, in a story and see the, the, the hellfire that falls on you from the, from the studio uh, for the violence you've done to their, uh, to their uh, creative process. so I could regale you guys with tales of the phone calls I've gotten over the most seemingly trivial things. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I wrote about a show that it had two uh, executive producers. So I, I naively called them co-executive producers. Oh, the, could you? Oh, no, Richard, I, no. I, what are you doing? I, back when I wore a younger man's clothes. Uh, and <laughs> I, I I grew up very quickly on that day. Yeah, exactly. As, How as dare you use an ampersand instead of an and, Richard? What are you many, doing? Come on. Yeah. Many furious people uh, explain yeah. the facts of life to me. Yeah. Okay, as the quickest aside before we put a button in this one, um, the one credits list that I would love to hear, I would love to hear an oral history of the credits list of the very last Avengers movie, Endgame. Was it the very last one? It has yeah. like the longest of all the stars. It's like, and and with Paul Rudd and like, and Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's just, it's the longest thing. And <laughs> and it's like, who who gets to like share a screen with like two other names, but then suddenly there's like, like one star name with an and and one with a with. And I was like, I would, I would love to know how this happened. Next week on the Ankler, Elaine, I think you found your next piece. There you go. <laughs> Investigative journalism 101 right there. So, <laughs> so great watching movies from the 30s where the, the movie ends, it says the end and the lights go <laughs> and you're out. It's like four names. <laughs> Before it even starts. So, you know, here we are kind of almost the end of the first month uh, of the strike. Almost, we're almost at four weeks here. Um, Elaine, you're still out there. Uh, at least a few days a week uh, on the lines here. So tell me, uh, as I'm sequestered here in my New York City apartment, uh, what's the latest uh, from the from the streets of Los Angeles and Hollywood? Still active, a little chilly out, hasn't hit peak summer yet. It's been a little cooler out here for this time of year, which is beneficial to the strikers uh, on the forecast. Uh, I hit up Netflix where they did Picket Karaoke. Uh, a little quieter at Netflix when I was there the other day, curiously, because that's usually the most robust. And then Fox, yeah. which is kind of a quiet lot, uh, spent some time at Television City. That's CBS. Um, sort of How's the that? most How's... low key, yeah. very low key, very chill, but a surprising number of people. Not as not as not as uh, much of a dud as other people seem to make it out to be. 
Fair enough. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, CBS, you know, it's an older demographic of strikers. Uh, and it was a super a superhero. Uh, day. Oh yes, yes, superhero day at Warner Brothers, where there were there were a lot of costumes and you know makeup and costume people as well. It was uh, that was that was probably the most um, fun theme day for the picketers out there. Uh, and also uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Live writers actually did an AMPTP quote unquote picket outside of the WGA. So a uh, bunch of Kimmel writers and actors dressed up in in suits pretending to be AMPTP uh, executives uh, talking about how ungrateful the writers are, et cetera. Richard, we have video did, of it. <laughs> I would hope so. Go to strikeguys.com. There you go. There's your plug. Richard, did this, was this like in 2007, 2008, was all this stuff kind of going on? Or I don't, I don't recall it, but I mean, is this new? Uh, I mean, there was a festive atmosphere, right? I, but not like these theme days, and uh, you know, this is this feels very different. Or I, maybe I wasn't paying attention to it back then. But you were, you were out there as a as a Generation X uh, partisan. I I think once the millennials uh, step into uh, the forefront of things, the <laughs> dress up days and uh, the 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 Halloween costumes and infusing and, it with our millennial frivolity. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, let's let's go play let's let's play go fish on the sidewalk or uh, duck duck goose or something uh, uh, comes out. That's 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 my. <laughs> All right, we'll blame on millennials and social media. There you go. Um, so you know, how is I guess the mood, Elaine? Or is there any shift at this point? Kind of still the same, or you know, here we are four weeks in, and you know, nothing, no new developments in negotiations. Clearly, so that that part hasn't really changed that much. Nope, still still pretty robust, but quieter than the first week, which is to be expected. And as yeah. we say every week, like let's see where we are by week ten. Let's see we where we are at week twenty. Um, but everybody I've talked to is prepared for this to go out through the summer and into the fall, despite the financial hardship that it causes them, and despite the uh, you know, foreseeable impact to their career. So that looks like everybody's battening down the hatches for at least uh, October or September, October. Wow. Which Richard certainly dovetails into the piece you put out this week, which is a uh, pretty popular there at the Ankler. The people I've talked to about it aren't, aren't quite as, uh, as cheery about that prospect uh, of, of, of being out till the, till the fall. But uh, initially the, uh, it was the July scenario was sort of the, uh, the conventional wisdom and the, seemed about right that that a couple months that everybody would get it out of their system and uh and and come back to the t table and the studios would feel the pain and feel the bite and they'd be at the table too but uh you know we're not we're not on that timeline anymore i think uh first of all because the uh the, the dga are negotiated and followed by sag it's become pretty uh, established that 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 they're going to wait and see what happens with those before the uh, before even taking up the guild question pushes the whole thing back till sort of the late summer before they can begin talking at the earliest. And then um, on both sides, you you see both sides set kind of hardening and not much momentum for compromise on either side uh, at the moment. So, um, so. You know, I would say I would say fall at the earliest is what it looks like at this point there. But uh, also the prospect that if if the DGA makes makes a deal that uh, that you have a framework for for the Writers Guild to jump into and whatever. Uh, and if you have a critical mass of uh, of their members, um, especially the prominent ones saying it's time to take this and move forward, 
they will be obliged to do the, the leadership will be obliged to do that. I don't yeah. know that that will happen, but uh, but it it will be like there's something that looks like a real deal on the on the table that the writers guild can add their own improvements on other issues that weren't addressed and move forward. So that you know that could that could happen by you know if if everything went smoothly by end of summer possibly. Yeah, which puts us in that September uh, window for sure, land that you just discussed. Um, we'll say just uh, got off the. Lionsgate had their finally had their earnings call. And again, not, you know, not saying much of, you know, they're not putting in their projections, you know, so that that pressure on the other side, Richard still is not, you know, be given, given any voice at all. And then the in corporate side of the, of the argument there. So uh, that uh, take that as you will, but um, Elaine, you'll be back out next week i assume for a few more uh what, what's your what is your itinerary of course. Look like? so friday evening uh the big rally today uh this evening at from four to seven um downtown la we'll be there covering that in full and we'll have a special weekend edition of strike guys oh. out all right there you go keep an eye out for that again you can sign up at strike but it is the start of the summer holiday weekend here uh even though it feels like hollywood Took a few days off this week already ahead of time. A little, little quiet on the news front if it isn't out of con or the or the strike lines. Uh Memorial Day weekend, Richard. Uh is your beach attire all set? Uh what's what's on the agenda here? Come on. Got a got a pasta salad I'm gonna be making uh Saturday. So put that in the uh, strike guys newsletter, Elaine. There, there's your visual. There you go. We've got your we've got your, ima- <laughs> we've got your image. Exactly. <laughs> but it is also, I guess, Richard, you know, Memorial Day weekend used to be the official start of summer movie season. It's it's been, you know, brought back by the Disney Corporation to a few weeks. But you know, that used to be the big the big time, right, Richard? You know, I think for for many, many years there. Yeah, it's 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 slid. Summer has slid earlier and earlier. So I mean, it, lately, the last decade or so, it's seemed to start in, you know, February or something. <laughs> right, exactly. But a little bit. Uh, uh, so in that spirit, the three of us are going to lay it all on the line today uh, with our expert can't miss picks. So, but uh, so I want to do this uh, inspired by something that I grew up on. Uh, Elaine, do you know what Premier Magazine is? I think I read about it in the history books. <laughs> 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 well, I suddenly grew up on it in high school. I was the kid with that in my backpack. Uh, I still uh, have them all in my mom's basement, which uh, mom, if you're listening, yes, I'll promise to organize them into, into plastic <laughs> bins at some point. Uh, that will happen this summer. Don't worry. Put them on uh, Rich- eBay, Sean. Well, it's funny because I mean, uh, Bill Simmons is also a famous fan of Premiere, and he, you know, bought a whole. But somebody had them, and he bought a whole bunch of them to have around because the, they're not online. They're not. They're owned by. Hachette Fittipaldi, which is another name that I have not thought about in years, which is no longer uh, in existence. And there's no digital archive or this is pre uh, essentially pre Internet. It folded in the early 2000s, maybe by 2005, maybe or something like that. So. You got collector's uh, it, items on it your is a, It is. I, I, for years, mom, what do you need these magazines for? I'm like, someday this is going to be worth something. So uh, we'll have that it's out more there. more than but... my Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait to make a, make a movie about Premiere Magazine someday, but we'll uh, we'll see. Richard, surely you were a Premiere Magazine reader Absolutely. back in the, in but, the 90s. Uh, and... Early on, uh, the, the, the really cool people were reading Movie Line. That was, that, that, that was the, the, uh, the well, very hip alternative to uh, uh, kind of lost its edge there after, after uh, a little bit. But when, when Movie Line uh, came out, that was, that was the real kidding. But Premiere was a great, great magazine. When, you know, when movies ruled the world, Premiere 
uh was the the best coverage of it and and yeah and Atlanta was a big magazine too they just like oversized like it was like a book it was like it came everyone it's beautiful anyway uh <laughs> I'll, I'll bring one to you someday you're like oh my god what is this you can tell uh, me more about that in mtv news <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone wanting to look at them the the margaret herrick uh, library of the academy has I, I i've spent many hours browsing old movie magazines. oh okay there you go all right there, there's the secret stash there in, in los angeles so uh but Elaine, so what they did uh, every year, every May, they did a summer preview issue, which was kind of something that I looked forward to. Richard, I don't know if you remember it at all, but uh, it was kind of the industry standard in which they would always predict and rank the films uh, by box office, what they'd expect for the summer movie season. So I thought we'd revive that spirit here. Um, I've sent you both the list of theatrical films coming out this summer. Uh, last summer, uh, the coverage I've seen, they had about 22 films in theaters. This uh, year, there's currently a total of 42 uh, slated for release. I believe that started with, with guardians. Um, that includes, uh, you know, limited and smaller releases, but certainly a healthy, uh, uptick in releases. Um, give me a top three, Richard. I'm going to start with you here. So if we're talking, we're going to just pod Friday, Labor Day weekend, or the week after what are the top three movies this summer for us grossing, uh, films. You, you've got a lot of, a lot of big, uh, tent poles, the giant tent poles that look pretty solid coming out here. And, they're fighting um, as much against the calendar and a very crowded calendar and uh, as, as they are against each other. And it's just like old times. Yeah. I mean, you've got a You got a situation where very few films in this calendar have a second weekend clear and open, like, like, uh, like guardian said, uh, you know, you get your big weekend and then something else just as huge to a similar audience comes the next weekend. And uh, that's going to be the the story of heartbreak for some, but so I, I I couldn't do a top three. I I did a top four. <laughs> oh I'll say, All right. I think number one will be uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, whatever number this is, part one, <laughs> seven. Uh, yes, exactly. The uh, I I think that I think at the end of the summer that 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 will be looking like the number one uh, movie. And then I, I have three films below there, and they are uh, Fast X. Fast 10. What is it? Fast, fast X, X. Fast X, Richard. Yeah, it fast, sounds cooler. Yeah. Fast 10 part one. Uh, <laughs> right. Let me see. Little Mermaid I'm putting up there. Intriguing choice. I, I, I think you can have a very similar uh, Frozen sort of uh, trajectory okay. there, which did which did well in its day. The I like the chances for Flash, which uh, which which does have a clear second weekend. And also Nana Jones, I, I think, has uh, kind of Top Gun revival potential and and was uh I, how long was a standing ovation in in can like <laughs> sour standing a lot of ovation. controversy over that the trades uh past <laughs> couple days as describing that but uh yeah yeah all right so you got more of a top five then but all right i think i, I think i got it i think i got <laughs> it against three. the think, rules of the game i think i got mission it? impossible i think i got uh I'm, I, I i'm allowed extra because i'm calling what the number one is so uh, oh, that, is that, right? that, that should give me extra slots is the, you're saying mission impossible is number one when we're doing this podcast yeah. in september okay got it all right fair enough uh elaine gonna toss to you now okay uh my top three are the flash uh mission impossible and uh i'm actually gonna say barbie Oh, going with the wild card. Okay, all yeah. right. So Bar- Barbie's a question mark for for me. It's it's uh, nobody's I, seen it yet. So yes, well, yeah. I, I mean, think I, th- it was I th- just deranged enough to do really well. 
But uh, the question is, how much does the derange enough? Does that get it to uh, two hundred to one hundred fifty million? But but does it put a ceiling on it? Is is what? Uh, well, it, it's got it's Barbie. It's got the nostalgia factor. It immediately yeah. has branding. You know what it is. I've seen uh you know some ads for some of the in person activations they're doing. So like, there's a lot of like opportunity for in person promo as well that I think will bring in a variety of different crowds. Based All on right. my incredibly uh non professional opinion here. Here's the, the question I ever they have a tag they have the tagline of if you love Barbie if you hate Barbie, and uh, I, I I appreciate that, but I I wonder how much. Uh, if if there's going to be any element of uh, middle America saying, I'm not paying for a bunch of Hollywood stars to make fun of my toy, but we'll see. We shall. We shall find out. All right. People were swayed eight. by you wearing that Barbie hat around CinemaCon for three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're Mr. Barbie, Richard. What are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> I man. think I, I think I'm going to enjoy Barbie very much. It looks hilarious. It looks great. <laughs> I, you're wearing your hat uh, to the theater, right, Richard? I, I, I think Barbie will be a success. I, I wonder if it if if it can be super blockbuster success is is my question. All right, fair enough. Uh, I went with Little Mermaid, uh, MI, Mission Impossible, and The Flash for my top three of the summer. So if we're talking, uh, no particular order, um, I would probably favor Mermaid because I'm just a big believer in the family audience. Mermaid's uh, and, got a and, long. Uh, it, you don't. You don't have another family film coming for a long window, be- and then the, the last one was Mario, which everybody's except for Elaine has seen at this point. So, unless uh, you mistakenly think Strays is a family movie, <laughs> <laughs> there will maybe some of that going on. Yeah, conversation coming in August. That's funny. I love that. And yeah, I'm with Richard on the Flash. I think the uh, a. I think it has an opening. I think the word of mouth and it has that that leeway until uh, July fourth. So I, I think that that is a potent potent release date combination. Plus, you have the PLS screens the imax and all other stuff which definitely gooses your gooses your box office take um all right now the, the flip side of the coin which two films will be seen as disappointments by end of summer maybe not flops but disappointments there's nothing that looks like a obvious uh disappointment there's there's nothing that's just sort of projecting like underperformer from miles away there's i i guess i put these more as question marks for myself than than obvious disappointments um the first one for for disney elemental is uh it looks like a classic pixar uh film with i wonder whether uh pixar has the, the long tail of the disney plus effect will be that people don't see those as uh as theatrical films anymore that people people will wait for that to come to disney plus and and see it like they've been seeing pixar films for the last three years okay. um so that's a question mark the Transformers, I, I I look at as an obvious potential victim of the calendar. That it's got one, it's got one week, and then you have Flash right right on its tail there, which which could wipe it out pretty well. And you still have uh, Little Mermaid and Family Film playing. That, that's the question. And then the biggest question mark of the summer, um, which could go either way, is Oppenheimer. Is a Christopher Nolan film, and that's that's uh, historically a very good thing at the box office. Uh, it's it looks very dark and uh, dealing with some very uh, serious things. Uh, so how 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 that will play in the middle of summer? Uh, and it's also it's also coming in the most uh, in the most crowded space in the summer. It's coming the week it, it's coming the week after uh, Mission Impossible and opening against Barbie. So yeah, Christopher Nolan films have traditionally had ignited such 
enthusiasm that uh, that it, that it can break through everything and break all the rules. So I wouldn't bet against it. I just I just put it as a question mark. Okay, Elaine, what two were on your list for uh, maybe disappointments here come September? Mm, yeah, Oppenheimer was definitely the big question mark for me as well. I think it's so intriguing, like looking at the trailer and obviously Nolan has a built in audience, but it seems sort of unlike your typical what you expect, you know, from a mind trip Nolan movie. Right. Since it's like historical fiction. Um and then what else is on my question mark list? I think The Little Mermaid is actually going to be oh, a kind of question mark for me. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I mean, the comps are really Lion King, which is, you know, massive, and Aladdin, which were massive. So, like, the comp isn't necessarily even this summer. It's it's those two films that have been It just has such those, high right? expectations, you know? Exactly. Well, those two films alone. I mean, you're talking yeah. two billion grocers uh, worldwide, at least. So, um, I'll, I'll um, quote my, uh, <laughs> my nine-year-old daughter, who I, I, I took to see it. And I said, I asked her, "Will will every child see this movie?" And she said, "Every girl will will see it." Or oh, there's that factor of it too. Yeah, you know, okay. yeah, it was yeah. Her, that was her response. Was Lion King or Aladdin, maybe a little more play. Uh, but that uh, you know, two, qu- two quadrant, I guess you would call that. But yeah, but again, yeah. Uh, Frozen Frozen did just fine with that, and, ex- you know? and Frozen two for that matter. So exactly right, Richard. Um, yeah, I had Elemental on the list. You know, it's it's not an animal film. It's not a you know, it's a it's more of a not a romance, but it's kind of a, you know, it's an immigrant it's, story. You know, I don't know. That's it's a little crossing a few different genres, which is always a little tricky for me, Elaine. Having watched the first 15 minutes or whatever at CinemaCon, I mean, it looks like a really fun movie. I just wonder if it's actually it felt like a Pixar movie for grownups, actually, is what it felt like. Mm. Rom-com, immigrant Rom-com story. Is... I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I don't know. Elaine's if my okay, eight-year-old yeah. wants to watch it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that could fall into that maybe that light year kind of I don't know other you know again and that Richard to your point the challenge in general about Pixar coming back I it just doesn't feel like the one that brings Pixar back to me in that sense um and that, interesting for Disney to 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 bring out these two family films that close to each other that's also exactly exactly Richard um and then I uh, I'm you know Indiana Jones is on that word list for me guys I uh con is a little tough to read I you know and what people's slants are on the coverage and whatnot as to how the reception was um you know the trailer's good and the reviews have been good but not great and that has a lot riding that's richard back to the comps of like what's what could be seen as a disappointment um it does have fourth of july weekend you know essentially to itself for for adults there's a, a universal animated film another family film that weekend um so does have that factor of a july june 30th and essentially the following weekend to itself to Sir Richard, it does have that two weekend factor, but I'm curious to see what the turnout is. It's not top gun for some people. And it's, I want to see uh, if, if I can, if I can uh, be assignment desk here, what are the implications, not just of, of, of the crowded schedule, but of, it, it means a lot of, a lot of the films are going to lose their premium screens uh, uh, after one That's week. True. So, yep. so what, right. what does it, what does it mean to their Cross upside prospects if they have all their premium screens yanked away after after one week. Yeah, especially the IMAX screens, especially Richard. Yeah, yeah. that's a very good, excellent point on that for the pure math of it because you get a thirty percent upcharge there. And then I, <laughs> I'm a little worried about the Meg Two, Elaine. I don't know that the Meg Two is going to necessarily make the five hundred million dollars <laughs> that the Meg One made. <laughs> so is that how much that first movie made worldwide? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would uh, not bet on that for the summer. Not with the Meg, the Meg two may be a disappointment in terms of the Meg one grosses. So uh, that one looked a little little troublesome. That comes out in August. All right, Richard, give me your sleeper. What do you got? I, I have a trio of R rated. Come on, rated comedy. No, how many are we supposed? Are we supposed to pick one? What are the rules, John? I'll give you two, but I want to know sleeper sleeper hit gets end of the summer September. You say what was the sleeper hit of the summer? Not with the top three sleeper hits. There aren't three sleeper hits in the summer. Okay, if I have if I have to pick one, you do. You do. I'm going all right. Strays then. Intriguing. R rated, uh, R rated comedy uh, from the point of view of dogs uh, to, to talk to each other, or anything. But if I could sneak into more uh, theater camp and and no hard feelings would be the two other R rated comedies that I think all have. Richard's going blue this summer, Elaine. I don't know. Here we go. That's it. <laughs> I have three more I could add to that list. Oh no, no, you're done, Richard. Richard no, no, you're, that's it. Mike, <laughs> cut his mic. Cut his mic off. It's Elaine's turn. There we go. Okay, I picked one. One good. Okay. I listen to the rules and I follow them. Um, Joyride. I think that's going to be a big hit. I think it's like The Hangover with four Asian American leads. And admittedly, I'm I'm hoping that's the sleeper hit because it looks fucking hilarious. You you will be there opening weekend. Alone, I will right? be there. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, that that was on my second three. So. <laughs> oh well, in that case, we'll allow you the rest of this, Richard. <laughs> It is noted uh, for the record, Richard. Yes, that's fine. Um, if, if 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 I can just do a list uh, of a couple other films we haven't talked about, but just well, we're not done with the questions yet, Richard. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> we have some more to go here, so we'll get you know we'll, we'll give you a wrap up at the end. So yeah, let me, you. we'll finish out sleeper hits here. Uh, I'm going to go a little. This is my riskier one. It's a riskier category, and sleeper hit is relative. But the Blackening is a film that I think could take off. That they dropped the trailer. From Lionsgate uh, this past week was really good. It's kind of a horror comedy, has some elements of like scream in it, like that came into it, which I'm like, oh, and then they have they have a real fun time with it in the trailer. And I, I could just see that being a big word of mouth. It opens on Juneteenth weekend, so it has a little bit of that extra, you know, extra day at the box office as a start. The two out of three Lionsgate picks for the sleeper. I, that's, the well, that's exactly right. So they're both Lionsgate, but that's the one that I think that may not be in a lot of radars right now, but I could see that word of mouth building as an original fun you know hasn't been and horror which obviously plays pretty well you know at the box office as well so that's my pick for the sleeper hit so um richard i will now what what else would you like to well, uh, I, that... here's my sleeper trend is uh the potential <laughs> okay. for a very strong august uh here which mm. you have you have uh haunted mansion opening uh just right. the, the week before which i think uh yeah, could do a is question business. mark at least of yeah. potential uh, you have Meg, uh, Meg two, as you said, come right. and, and and opening at this uh, the same August slot it did for yep. Meg one. Yeah, uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah, that's I, good. I, it's I, a buzz. And uh, Blue Beetle is one. Uh, Warner's is very excited about that, and it's uh, it's it's a family film. It's a Latino film. It's uh, a DC uh, film. Yeah, and then the aforementioned Strays. Right. Uh, so, Surprised so you didn't mention Gran Turismo. I think that's going to be a big winner in August. And Gran Turismo's in there too. That's right. That's Gran in Turismo, August, so. August too. And it finishes out uh, Equalizer 3 is the Labor Day weekend movie as well this year. So how, how I mean, do you count that? Some wild cards in there in that stray slot. Richard is certainly that kind of 40 year old virgin slot back in the day and uh, even knocked up as a later summer release, I believe. But uh, adults on vacation and things like that that are looking for something, you know, that's light and, you know, kind of funny and, and uh, outrageous is a. Uh, it's a good bet there. Uh, that was a July. That was actually a June release that they moved, Richard. So uh, Universal right. saw the opportunity there to, to take it. So 
Uh, all right. So finally, which, uh, which studio wins the summer? Who's getting the, who's getting the blue ribbon? We're going to invite him on the podcast to, to get the blue ribbon <laughs> in September. <laughs> what marketing head gets the, uh, the award? And I, uh, yeah. Richard, who you got? I think you'd have to say Disney at the, at the looks of it. You know, Paramount, I think, will have the biggest film of the, of the summer. Um, and if, if Ninja Turtles does well too, and, 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 and Transformers does respectably or better then that could be a, could be a really major summer, uh, for them. Um, I don't think anyone that maybe Sony is, uh, looking at a bad, a bad summer. Um, so, you know, Warners and Universal also have very solid lineups, but I, I, I'd have to say, if you look at Indiana Jones, uh, Little Mermaid, Haunted Mansion, Elemental, um, plus Guardians. If you want to, you know, throw that in too. Yeah, yeah, Guardians. Uh, that that Disney lineup looks pretty uh, packed there. So, okay. And I'm saying I'll, I'm going to caveat this. You know, probably win by perception. I would say. So I mean, I would say total box office is one thing, but I'd also say if you're what that's the rule perception. It's like whoever has the most films coming out is going to win because, like, you know, it's a bit of you can skew that. They had three, their three films well, worked. Paramount did like admirably kind of with right. just Top Gun last summer. Right. So you could say, did they, yeah, the total gross, maybe not, but they had, the, they had the winning narrative. So I'm just saying you can skew the box office by how many releases you have. But if you have three films, you knock all three out of the park. It's like, how many did you go for? Like, you know, two for three, three for five. Like that's, that's how, that's how I, I would look at it. But that's my personal take. That's fine. You can all right, well, your ways anyway. I think these rules are not very solid. Mm-hmm. Wait, this like one's a little flexible. I, I should have, I should have clarified this one, but Elaine, the floor is yours. I'm going to go with Warner Brothers here. Uh, we've got The Flash. Uh, you've got Barbie. You've got The Meg 2 and then Blue Beetle. I think it's a really solid lineup for the summer that you're going to get. I think you're going to get repeat customers, too. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to have three different votes here. I'm going Universal. So uh, we got Fast X. I think Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic on it. I think that the creative has been fantastic. I think it has that dunkirk kind of which did a lot you know did over 500 million dollars you know did a very large amount uh when it came out so that kind of movie can think that that genre can do well and be perceived as a hit and you know and what have you and i think and richard i think strays also has that opportunity for that late summer kind of movie everybody's talking about did you see kind of thing so um, and then they have um and they have a july 4th animated uh movie uh Kraken, teenage Kraken, or something, which looks oh, a little, yeah. I don't know. Which, which looks funny. It's, uh, but look, July 4th in a family film, you know, uh, the kids may not be wanting to go see Indiana Jones, but they may want to go see that movie. So, you know, there may be that family vote they could win over on July 4th weekend. I, I can see solid cases for uh, for any of these these studios to come out on top. So, yeah. And I put an honorable mention for Lionsgate in the sense that they're either going to have a uh, a hit summer or like a dud summer like with the, the maniscalco movie they have joyride and they have the blackening kind of three films that you could see them catching fire or you could see them coming and going they won't you know they won't get the the 30 40 million dollar marketing spends but if that word if they're good and the word of mouth comes out on them i could see them having a couple of underdog hits which is always nice to come out when no one's expecting you so but uh, i think universal for me will be the the one taking the crown, but uh, this was fun. Any Richard, anything else we should uh, that I miss, or uh, I think we we rounded it out here. The fact of the matter is that these can't all win. So some are going to uh, are going to fail, uh, not for any fault of their own, but just, right. or just because of the calendar. So it's uh, uh, there there there's there, there's going to be a heartbreak tonight, as they say. How much money are we putting on this? 
That's the, oh, the that's right. There. I guess we didn't. Uh, <laughs> should we bet Richard's Barbie hat? That seemed pretty valuable. No. <laughs> I will bet you 10 American dollars that Warner Brothers wins the summer. How about that? All right. Richard, you, in for, you good for that, Richard? Yeah, as long as I get three extra entries for. <laughs> okay, well, I think that uh, about wraps it up for this week. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. You can subscribe to The Ankler at theankler.com. Be sure to follow us on the socials at The Ankler. And of course, subscribe to the Strike Geist newsletter at Strike Geist. That's G E I S T, strikegeist.com. You can get Elaine's uh, daily coverage as well as the coverage from the whole Ankler team. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>